0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Scott Lease, here with my good friend and co host, Richard Harris. And we are brought to you today by our good friends at Salesforce, Sales Cloud, Vidyard, Outreach, and Reggie.ai. I believe it's AI, right, Richard? This is yes. a new new sponsor of ours. Got to get the website right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we thank all four of those amazing companies and, and really cool products, and you should check them out and uh, see if they can help you finish out the year strong or get off to a good start in 2022. Uh, Let's <clears throat> see, it's uh, end, of our, end of August. We're almost done, Richard. We're almost done with this hellscape of a month, right? Correct.
1: I don't know why it's right. a hellscape,
0: though. Well, just, what do you mean you don't know why? Your whole entire state is burning. I almost lost my house. Our co uh, co-founder Jeff is about to lose his house in South Lake Tahoe. I, I don't know.
1: I am so was, narcissistic, which Howard can speak to that I don't even realize it. So. That is that's probably true. But you
0: also might know Richard that New Orleans is like underwater right now. There's some things happening. We got to get out of August. Is my point. Okay. Oh, so we're gonna close it out strong with our friend and co not co founder founder and CEO. And jokingly, affectionately known as Chief Psychologist at Ring DNA, Howard Brown. Welcome to the show, Howard.
2: Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah,
0: thanks for spending some time with us, man. You and Richard go go back a number of years, do you not?
2: We do. We had beautiful locks of hair when we started this gig, and now you know we're shaved bald with uh, with uh, no opportunity to grow a. Uh, a, a, a kind of hair like you got, that's for sure. <laughs> that's
0: right. I figure I might as well grow it while I still can. And right. you know? got plenty of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you guys actually go to U of A together? Were
1: you there at the same time? I don't know.
2: What year did you graduate?
1: I graduated U of A uh 91 and a half. Like Okay, so we were 92. definitely there
2: at the same time. I definitely spent time in the ZBT house. While you were there, I was in AE I graduated in 90. Um, some of my best friends were actually ZBTs at the same time. So, oh,
1: who did you know?
2: Greg Brenner. I don't know, I know. if you remember Greg Brenner. Uh-huh. Um, David Gorish. Yeah, Gora, I
1: know
2: David Gorish. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. him and I uh, dated the same woman. Long story there. Um, yeah, it was, that was a good time.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, those guys were like a year older than me. So um, they, they hazed the hell out of me. So That's good. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, so, Howard, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about AI, right? Um, I, you know, I see it on your profile. I see you've been talking to people about it. Obviously, maybe even give people before you answer the question. Give people a sense of what ring DNA is in case they don't know. And then I want to talk about how AI is really coming into play in the sales world because I think we all think it's there. I think we all know it's coming, but I don't think people really know yet. So
2: yeah, fair enough. So uh, ring DNA is a it's basically for lack of a better term, it's a RevOps platform today. So it's the idea that we help. Sales teams, marketing teams, support and success teams figure out what's working and we prescribe more of that. I think that's probably the easiest way to think about it. Uh, we've been doing this since 2013 and we work with some of the largest and most successful sales and revenue organizations in the world. And we're having a lot of fun.
1: So when it started, was it true old school startup?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, this is, my, this is my third startup. So I founded two others, sold them to uh, larger privately held uh, companies, primarily focused on marketing, lead gen, and then the handoff process to the sales team. So it was always about how do we figure out the best leads to get into sales hands and how do we give them some context to perform better? So that was really the genesis of DNA.
1: Got it. What did you, what did you learn from, and by the way, if people don't know ring DNA also, uh, you guys are public, if I'm not mistaken. No,
2: no, we're not.
1: public. Oh, I thought you went public. Are you going to, or can I not ask that question? (laughs) That's a leading question.
2: (laughs) We're just just having fun. We're just building a great company and helping, uh, helping others solve big problems.
1: So so talk about um, what are the things you learned going through two, Uh, Exits that you were able to apply strategically into this one. So that maybe, I don't know if there were mistakes you made or just, you know, you're able to repeat this process clearly. So,
2: yeah, well, I'm a big believer in failing. So I I believe in fail fast and own your failures. And that's how we, uh, that's how we grow. I think people, a lot of times think about making mistakes or failing and they beat themselves up. And as a former clinical psychologist, one of the things you learn is if you spend your time beating yourself up, you typically miss the lesson, right? So I've made every possible mistake along the way um, and I grow from them. And and I think what I learned um, through a process of both maturation and having great mentors and leaders is surround yourself with like-minded people Um, and people who are very different from you but people who all have or support the same values and character and and if you don't do that you're going to be miserable and if you if you find people who make you better um, if you find people who push your boundaries and who um, who challenge you life is good and so I, I continue to try and find people around me like you guys and and, and bring into the fold and learn as much as I can and, and fail fast.
1: So let me ask, let's say, let's say, you know, next year you go public and you decide to go start another thing. What's the first thing you'd do if you were starting a company again?
2: Well, if I left right away, I wouldn't be able to take the amazing people that I've had who have been with me for uh, three separate companies. So I'd have to find some, some, some new amazing people, but Aside from the people, finding problems that you can be incredibly passionate about is critical. My first question in interviewing anyone is, what are you passionate about? Because you have to find a passion. You have to find something other than the dollar that keeps you going, that motivates you. And so finding really tough problems that other people have not been able to solve is something that keeps me going, that keeps me charged. And I, I find that if you, can, if you can center yourself around a problem and find people who care about solving that problem, life is really good. Yeah.
1: So let's go back to the, to the AI piece. So where are we with AI in sales, right? Are we there yet? No, we, no. Right?
2: We're, we're, in, uh, we're in inning one and maybe the bottom of the first. So... I think most people don't understand the difference between statistics, math, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. And for the most part, we have a data problem that exists, right? So we have a lot of data coming at us from all different sources. It can come from our CRM system. It come from uh, WHO data, that personal data. It can come from marketing sources. It can come from conversations or Zoom meetings. Uh, it can come from analytics packages. So we have a lot of data. What we need to do is we need to convert that data into insights or next best actions. And that's where data science comes in and it's taking all of that data and it's trying to basically build correlation models. If this happens more likely than not, you'll result in this. And so we have a lot of data we're trying to pattern recognize and we're trying to figure out what in fact uh results in a better outcome than the norm and so that's the challenge we're trying to solve with ml or some people call it ai um, the problem with ai is it's it's a very specific skill it's a very specific methodology and it involves Uh, a lot of processes that we cannot simply run today. So yes, there is artificial intelligence in things like NLP, which is natural language processing, where you're taking massive amounts of data, you're transcribing and you're finding patterns. But for the most part, what people are doing is just building prediction models. Artificial intelligence, Requires us to actually label and tag the data. So, for example, if you're in a conversation and the machine learning model assesses that this part of the conversation is in fact about pricing and objection to pricing, it's great. It can, it can, it can maybe assume that's the case. But unless your manager now goes in and labels that and verifies that ML as actually pricing and objection you don't have artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence doesn't work without a lot of human labeling, the verification and validation. And so we're in the first inning.
1: That's the first person, Scott, who's ever explained it in a way that I think I actually understand. How about you?
0: That's good because you're, you guys are both smarter than me. So I was, I think I understood half of the the words. So that's what we (laughs) went to do Yeah, that's right. the ASU a, U of A difference, right? No, I'm 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 just teasing. That's probably the most thorough explanation of the two that um, that I've ever heard. Honestly, I agree. Really, really good. Yeah. So does does AI threaten to kill off a particular channel or multiple channels for sellers, or will it kill off a rep entirely, the whole function of so many sellers' jobs?
2: listen, I'm so glad you're asking me this. So I, I think about AI as both a asset to human beings and a potential liability. So how is it an asset? Well, let's face it, we're, we're doing a lot of things that machines can do better. So that calculations, it's mundane tasks, it's a, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. And what are human beings incredible and exceptional at? Emotional connection, um, human connection, uh, relationships. Automation and artificial intelligence are very different. Automation is great. We can automate out tasks that that aren't very helpful. Um, Things you do over and over again. That's great. And so, yes, there will be people That will be automated out if your job is to do the same thing over and over and over again and not be creative and not connect with people and not provide a better human experience yeah your job's probably at risk if you are somebody who spends too much time on things that should be automated and what you really like doing is connecting with people solving problems making emotional connections and artificial intelligence is going to be incredible because what it's actually going to do is it's going to augment us. It's not going to make us smarter. It's going to augment us so that we can do the things that we are really unique and very special at. And so I think that artificial intelligence as something that helps us be more human, helps us connect better. It's just we need to get there.
0: What, what will it take to, to get there? Is it just time? Is it more innovation, more companies pushing the envelope? Is it our acceptance of it? How do we get there? How do we get out of the bottom of the first?
2: Yeah, so, so I think, first of all, we need to call artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence when it's artificial intelligence and not machine learning or math. I think that, you know, start to define it for what it actually is. I think we need to stop assuming that just because we integrate a bunch of products or services and provide some prediction that that is artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is hard because it requires all of the data to be normalized and accessed at just the right moment. The idea of AI is really, it's going to help me in the moment that I need it, that very second. It's not after the fact, it's not just prediction based on a bunch of data that's coming in from a variety of different sources and not validated. So how do we get there? We get there, one, by establishing what it is and what it isn't. We get there by creating really strong machine learning models and hiring the best and brightest data scientists of which, by the way, I had a conversation with the guy that runs AI at AWS recently. And he told me that he has more job recs open for data scientists than all of the master's degree level data scientists graduating this year. So there's a massive, massive need for these folks, and there's not enough people out there. So part of the problem is human capital. We don't have enough people to do what it is we're trying to accomplish. So we need to get the right people in the right spot working with the right data. What makes a data scientist miserable? Not having enough data. So we need to make sure we're accumulating enough data for them to do the science that actually can produce the type of results.
1: So what So 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 there's this tremendous need and you can't even find the people, right? which is a good indication of, you know, the world we're living in that, you know, we need more smart people who didn't go to U of A, um, at least two thirds of us, you know, who didn't go to U of A or ASU should have. More data scientists, less liberal arts. Right. So what does a company like that do? Because that affects their growth. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and I think companies that, that get out in front and can hire the right people and can retain the right people are those that will absolutely crush
1: it. Do so, people, do they just go and hire a bunch of math whiz kids who are freshmen and just pull them out of Harvard and those places and just say, Look, we're going to teach you what you need to know. We're going to put you through six months of boot camp and you're going to come work here and then you're going to go be a startup person anyway. So,
2: well, you need to have the right leader in place, right? You, you can hire a bunch of people, but unless you have someone to lead them, it, it
1: doesn't do you that. agree. Them, right? agree so, so.
2: so I think that the, the core thing is figure out a problem to solve. So a lot of people say, hey, I want AI to solve all my problems. Great. It's not going to do that. So what is the first problem you've identified that you want AI to help you with, right? right? So so for us, one thing we look at is we look at the number of open-ended questions that people ask in phone calls, right? Or in Zoom meetings. That is a NLP problem that involves some artificial intelligence. So we wanna identify, in fact, open-ended questions that have longer responses. Why? Because what we're trying to figure out is do reps that ask more open-ended questions and then mirror the responses, in fact, build better relationships that lead to better outcomes and have more sales? So we've identified a problem and now we're studying the data to determine whether or not that hypothesis, right, leads to better outcomes. You have to start with a problem. You have to make sure you have the data. You have to analyze the data. You then have to come up with a essentially a, a model, and then you look at the model and then you validate it. And then you have human beings look at the results of that and then determine in fact, was this an open-ended question? Was the outcome what we thought it would be? So it's a process to get there.
1: So so this this takes us over to RevOps, right? Like all this data, right? Yep. And to your 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 math skills, your machine learning, and all that stuff. One of the things that that I know Scott sees, I see it, he sees it more than I do, is that, you know, these VPs or directors of sales are having the hardest time just convincing the CEO that we need rev ops or even sales ops, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to get started. What, what is, what's the advice you give to people, you know, who are in the sales world who need to convince that CEO or what advice do you give to that CEO that says, look, you know, stop throwing bodies at the problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think, look, I think the idea of RevOps is really a a revenue operating system. And we, we have historically thrown people and dollars at the problem and they're underperforming. We're not getting the return on investment we expect by just adding more and more and more tools, right? More and more people. So if you want to optimize your revenue, it requires that you analyze what you're doing. And so there's a lot of folks that look at RevOps and a lot of folks trying to define it. Well, it's data, it's process, it's people, and it's politics. And and people don't know where to start, right? So they're hiring a RevOps leader, but does that RevOps leader really have the the senior level executive buy-in to do what it takes? And what does that mean? Well, it means that that person needs to have visibility and some level of control in marketing support sales and cx right because if you're looking at the entire customer journey and you're trying to understand what's working and what's not then you really need to look at your quota model you need to know, look at your hiring model your your retention you need to look at your your marketing you need to look at all of that that's way too much. Who the heck has time to do all of that? So where do you start? You start with a tool, not to not to you know, sell my own stuff, but you start with a tool like Ring DNA that essentially looks across your marketing sales CX and identifies opportunities for optimization, for next best action. And then you move the needle because what convinces folks more than anything is results. So rather than changing the whole org and hiring a bunch of people and changing everything about your company, institute some tools that will, in fact, prove that a change to how you normalize your data, to how you prescribe next best actions is, in fact, the future.
0: Yeah. I thought this is like one of the questions that I get asked the most by sales leaders. It's always like, how do I get... A sales ops headcount. How do I hire somebody to help me do all of this kind of stuff? They're just all trying to figure out the the right pitch and tie it back to these results. Um, you know that that you speak of. So I hope everybody's paying attention, uh, who's in sales leadership positions, and and, and really hears what Howard's saying. Um, you know how critical how important it is. I'm struck listening to you talk by something you said earlier about how this is your third startup. And I was listening to you talk and explain all these things. And I was just thinking, holy shit, this is like a lot of problems. This is like a, a big challenge, a lot of stuff to deal with. Like, why do you keep doing this? Why not just, you know, retire, for lack of a better word, or do something less stressful? This is part of the, the debate Richard and I have had all the time because he keeps trying to t- tell me there's no way I'm going to be able to retire. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I am as good as gone as soon as I have the first chance. So building a building a company is no small endeavor. This is the third time. Why do you keep going back into the fire?
2: I think at the end of the day, I really love people. I really love solving problems. I love working with people who are really a lot smarter than me and, and people who are passionate. Um, yeah, I, I have a knack for finding incredible folks who maybe they're glutton for punishment but they like to hang out and stick around um, I, I believe in what we're trying to accomplish I, I care a lot about the concept of revenue operations I care a lot about you know for me it's really about the human being right so I, I feel like, we're over-automating people, we're, we're, we're stressing them out, we're, we're, we're causing all kinds of problems by just more and more and more. I like, as a clinical psychologist, as a humanist, I like to focus on the human being. And so everything I've done with every single one of my companies is what do we do to help people reach their full potential? Everybody talks about like, how do you build the best customer experience. I'll tell you how you build the best customer experience by building the best employee experience. If you Mm. give people the tools to make them more human, to connect with people better, to not do the mundane, if you help them exceed and excel at the things that they care about and you make their jobs better, their performance will be better. When they connect with people, they'll deliver a better customer experience because they're enjoying what they're doing. Ultimately, companies that win are the ones that will deliver the best brand experience. You do that by focusing on your employees and giving them the best experience. That's how you win.
1: That's really good. I think that's really, really solid. Um, I wanted to come back to this over automation of people piece. Because I, I, you know, I've been saying for a long time, it's like, you know, we've created so much efficiency <laughs> that we don't have to work anymore, right? Um, to some degree. What is that, um, you know, what is your thought around that? What, what parts are being over-automated and what needs to be humanistic?
2: I, I think that relationship building at, is, at its core cannot be automated. I, I think that if you believe in relationships as the core to problem solving, um, you, you shouldn't be automating that. Sure, they're, they're, you can automate emails, you can automate some process, but at the end of the day, you got to focus on quality, right? Let the other tools focus on quantity. If you're trying to help your people reach their full potential, if you care about people more than anything else, you balance technology with that human element, that's what, that's what you care about. Right. And so at the end of the day, yeah, we're going to automate out a lot of people and there'll be a lot of processes and that's okay for, that's okay in some ways, but it's at the, how do we help human beings better connect with human beings? Because that is what I think ultimately will move humanity forward. And, and you ask me why I don't retire, why I don't give up, Because I actually believe that by making a contribution to human beings and helping them be better at what they do and helping them focus and connect and and be better people that will live in a better place and that my children and your children will have a better future. And so that I'm answering your question. No, you
0: are for sure. It's like it's about purpose. It's about legacy. It's about impact. I mean, I hear I hear all of those things.
1: Scott, your your wife and your kids are not going to let you retire because they don't want you around that much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a lot of places to go surf that I haven't been yet,
0: Richard. Right. This is a so, solvable uh, solvable problem. I, I have I have a follow up question, uh, Howard, and it's uh, it's pretty specific and targeted, and and I've had decent success as well with taking people, you know, from one job to the next to the next. But at some point in my experience, I kind of run out of role for the roles for them. Like they've they've hit the ceiling. It's like, I, I I would love to come work with you again, Howard, but like you should have my job now. Right. So how do you how do you keep people coming with you when presumably, you know, there's there's gonna start to like hit the ceiling of title and responsibility and comp and all this, this kind of stuff. Is there, is there something there that that you've cracked the code on that you can share?
2: Well, look, it, you want certain people to come with you and you want to set other people free. So developers, like I want my developers to be with me through every company. And, and that's because they're not going to do my job and I can't do theirs. Um, yeah. If you're in a, if you're in a revenue position and a thought leader and you want to build a company, like I want to set you free. If you're, if you're in, you know, sales, if you're in like, yes, go. And, and, you know, we talked about before we started, I just took my, 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 my eldest to college. I'm setting her free. I'm, I'm, you know, she's, 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 she's off and going and I can't be more proud of her. And that to me, is is actually a hell of a lot better than people staying with you time and time again it's those that can be set free and go on to do incredible things because i've had people who have started more successful companies than i've been able to sell and god bless them and thank god they invited me in to invest in their companies because that's awesome too so you know i i i think that there is that ceiling and and yeah
0: so 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 Super tactically now, like it, you said, you want these engineers to kind of stick with you and go from one place to the next and kind of be your team for, you know, forever, maybe. Right. Should, should a founder in a similar position as yours who att- is attempting to do this, should they just assume, okay, I got to pay this, this developer, you know, 150 K this time and then 200 K the next time. And then 250. And are are you, having to kind of level them up every single time this is a real tactical question
2: if you have great people they're worth their weight in gold and you can pay them exponentially more each and every time And you should don't bat an
0: eye about it just
2: and you should reward them yeah keep them happy yeah more equity and your success is
0: that
2: that all your success is the people that that are helping you along the way we do nothing alone
0: yeah that's good to hear. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's pretty brutal. I think it's pretty brutal when people try to get recruited, and they're like, "You were, you were my, you know, senior engineer at the last company. You know, come do it again." And it's like, boom, same equity, same comp. It's like, wait a second, come on, we had, a, we had a successful, you know, outcome last time. Like that person, like you said, is clearly worth their
1: weight in gold. Top that's, them off, you know. Yeah, that's
2: selfish, narcissistic, and and has no place in a healthy relationship.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We just we just recorded another episode that'll, that'll drop at the um, after yours, but um, that was kind of the same thing. Don't be afraid to overpay your first hire if they're good enough, right? Don't if you're going to hire an SDR, you know, don't and it's their first one. Don't go get the the person just out of college right? Like go get the person who's done this for two or three years and wants to build it and has, you know, ex- can accelerate your ramp, right? Okay. Which is what I'm hearing the same thing, whether it's marketing or engineering or um, any of those places. So um, that, that's solid, repeatable advice. Um, what are, you, you mentioned earlier um, that you, you made some mistakes. What are those mistakes? What are some of them? Everybody's always got this long, I've got the long list, Richard, right? What What are the ones that that maybe you think you've made?
2: Yeah, you just nailed one, not paying people enough, not valuing people enough, not giving them enough praise, trying to take it all yourself. You know, you see people who are like thought leaders and it's all about them. No, it's it's not all about them. It's about all the people underneath that work with you and help you succeed. Um, I, again, the, the owning your mistakes is a really big one um, making sure that as CEO, you're, you kind of joked at it. You're chief psychologist, right? Your job is to make sure that you understand what yeah. motivates people, what, what causes people strife, how you can be helpful, how you can coach them up. I think finding people who aren't coachable is, is a big one that I didn't look for early in my career. Not. I, didn't
1: find, let, I want to dig into just that one. So I know we're, we're getting to the end, but How do you find people who are coachable?
2: Yeah. I always ask people uh, stories about their great coaches, their great mentors, uh, what they've learned from coaches, how they coach, because a lot, you know, great coaches um, are also coachable. And so I think asking people to share their experience of, who they've learned from and how they've learned. And and you asked me a question about my failures and mistakes. Like if somebody can't own that with pride, if you can't own your mistakes, you're probably not that coachable.
1: Yeah, so we are at the end and we wanna give a quick shout out to our our sponsors of, uh, who? Are, uh, they're Vidyard and Salesforce, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and outreach and Reggie and outreach and Reggie. I'm sure You're victim of your own success, Richard. You're so I'm good gonna, at getting sponsors all for all of us. them, right? Yeah, but yeah. but Howard, we always we always turn it around back to you, uh, to the to the guest. You know, what can we answer for you? What question might you have for us?
2: What question? Um, yeah, my question is, what can I do for you guys? Really.
0: I'm still trying to process your quote about great coaches are also coachable. I'm I'm still thinking about, about this 60 seconds later. What can, what can he,
1: what can Howard do for us, Richard? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you and I are connected, you know, not only from the business perspective, but you know, we both are, you know, we didn't get into it today, but we're super passionate about mental health. And I think that's the really the big thing that you've always supported me with. And I, I think I've, return for you. Um, so for me, those, those are the big places I would want help outside of life and business. Um, I don't know. I'm actually might need to call you for some mentoring for myself. I might need some coaching on, uh, my business. So I might, I might take you up on that offline.
2: Well, that will, uh, that will go both ways, Or I really appreciate the time spent with both of you guys and love, love the show. I've been listening a lot and just keep putting out great stuff and, and we'll keep listening.
0: Cool. Yeah, we'll 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 do our best. I, you can help us. I was gonna make a joke and say, uh, maybe Richard and I will come to you for therapy, and you can you can give some relationship therapy to us. You Little know,
2: couples counseling. Yeah, them. that's right. Yeah, yeah, make
0: you know, make sure that we uh, are able to stick together. You know, don't go don't go sideways, that kind of thing. You know, which is interesting because I'm sitting here going, do we have a problem? <laughs> <laughs> There's no problem, but
1: you know. Right. <laughs> Things could always be better, Richard. Things could always be better, right? I agree. Oh, Howard, always a pleasure, man. This flew by. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: R- really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll talk Thanks, to you
1: Thanks, Howard.